Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim, and today we are discussing our rapid reads, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelis, which is by Ursula Gwynn. And it's going to be slightly different than my normal explanations because this really doesn't have an easy plot to describe in, like, simple sentences. So instead, the inspiration for this is from a quote by William James. And William James said, or if the hypothesis were offered us of a world in which Messrs, Foyers, and Bellamy's, and Morris's Utopias should all be outdone, and millions kept permanently happy on one simple condition that a certain lost soul on the far-off edge of things should lead a life of lonely torture, what ex except a skeptical and, I said that wrong, an independent sort of emotion can it be which would make us immediately feel even though an impulse arose within us to clutch at the happiness so offered. How hideous a thing would it be its enjoyment when deliberately accepted as the fruit of such a bargain. Which, that quote is actually, um, I'm going to butcher this name, is actually inspired by Dos Dos Oh, I can't even get it out of my mind. Out of my... Out of my oh, mouth. Um, so hard. It's Brothers Karm Karmazov. Come on, Sarah, you, you tend to know the Russian names for whatever reason. Oh, that was a Russian name? Well, say it again. <laughs> just just a second. I'm gonna copy it in the chat because I am I am That was awesome. I'm like, that was a Russian name. Well, I just <laughs> No, it is completely and utterly me. My brain is looking at this and going, I don't know how to make those sounds. Oh, the chest joy joy chesties. I can't say it either. I don't know if I've ever tried to say that. Oh, it disappeared. If I've ever tried to say that out loud, um, it's iconic Russian literature, people. Um, I just I can't. Brothers Karamazov. Yeah, you did that better than me. Probably horrifically, but do we really have any Russian listeners anyway? Hopefully not. I or hopefully know. we do, and they just get a chuckle out of that butchering. I mean, I can find that out real quick. Do you really want to know? <laughs> Let me. Well, see I mean, the world. We might have Russian listeners in for, the U.S. And... For the beginning of March, we don't have any listeners from Russia. <laughs> but that doesn't that doesn't count past months. Anyways, okay. So okay, that is on, the. Hold on. Listen, Dostoevsky. Did you hear it? Yes. Dostoevsky. That's how you say it. Dostoevsky. Dost yep, there we go. Sarah did it because I can't and stop. Will you stop? Will you Just stop? a second. No, I'm trying to stop your cat from getting at my feet you left on the bed. I put the other ones in the container. I appreciate the that. The cats? Yeah. Leading, yeah. We have a we have a cat container. She and we just put them in there to hide them from the goes into prison because she eats chews on everything everything okay so anyways that is the original inspiration or part of the inspiration for the story um the other inspiration is Le Guin was driving away from salem oregon and in the back of her rearview mirror she saw the name salem oregon reversed and that's obelis O-M-E-L-A-S. So, and it, oh, and it was published in 1973 because that completely and utterly went off the rails and I lost where I was in my little write-up. Um, 
So, starting with you, Kim, what did you think of this? Um, it was, it was, it was interesting. It, you know, yeah. Did it you was, like it? it? Was, uh, I didn't hate it. See, it's, given how it, much you love the lottery, I thought this would have, like, given you that same, like... It did. It did. But the lottery was better. But I was younger when the when I read the lottery the first time, so I kind of fell into the lottery, and, and it was a thing. Um, I kind of knew what was happening from the get-go, whereas the, the lottery kind of blindsides you a little bit more. Um, doesn't Doesn't dwell so much on how perfect everything was, which just makes you go... Why is everything so perfect? <laughs> um, but it was good. It's just, it's a short okay. story. It, and I'm not a huge fan of short stories. As you guys continue to say, and yet we keep doing these rapid reads because I like to punish you guys. I was like, yeah, we don't. that was not a group decision. You didn't put it to a vote. <laughs> Okay, so Sarah, what did you think of it? It was, I mean, for the length of the story, or the length of the story is, there is a surprising, like, amount of depth there, really. But, um, so, I mean, it's interesting. But like okay. Kim said, they focus so much on what's, that everything's so perfect that it's like, obviously, there's going to be a catch in here somewhere. Um yeah, it's it's an interesting little like thought experiment kind of, I guess. Um And that's really kind of what it's supposed to be, is a thought experiment. Yeah. It's philosophical fiction. Um did you like it did you guys like this better than Left Hand of Darkness, or did you like Left Hand of Darkness better? I, I like Left Hand of Darkness. Darkness. Same author. What did you say, Sarah? Uh, left Hand of Darkness. Okay, so you, you liked the aimlessly wandering in the uh, snow. That was a part Venus. of it. And I just <laughs> didn't feel like the development was really happening there. It was just kind of a thing that was going on. Okay. So I just thought that was a weaker part of an overall story that was very interesting. Okay, okay. And then, Kim, this... you said you liked oh. Left Hand of Darkness too, right? Yes. Now what were you going to say, Sarah? I was going to say this short story it's almost like more of an opening to a full-length story so i feel like it's not really fair to compare it to left hand of darkness so when i suggested it i did not realize so uh, there are these short stories that she does this particular short story is actually a group of 12 um, and the reason I didn't know that is because the only way I had heard of it was because this is included in the Penguin book of the modern American short story. I then went to go get the audiobook because I wanted to listen to it. And it's called, oh, it's called the 12, I want to say the Christmas. 12, no, okay. 12 Bard Travelers. Let me see here. Just a second. It's the last thing. Oh, the Wind's 12 Quartets. Wait, You off. were close there. <laughs> yeah exactly the same thing <laughs> um so there are actually like 12 stories in total of like this like thought process she was going through um i will say i really liked this 
And the reason why I really liked it is I had a strong emotional response to it as I was reading it. So at first I, you know, I was going through the, oh, this is really perfect. Why is this perfect? Where is our conflict? This is not going to be good conflict. Then it goes through that whole description of like people going to view the child. And I, I, I instantly thought, who goes and views the child? Like, why would you do that? And how could you walk away from that? Like, how, how do you choose one individual's happiness over, you know, or make one person suffer over everybody else because it's the only way to happiness? And then I actually felt relief that there are some people who, at the end of the short story, do walk away. Yeah, but why don't they go open the door, take the kid out, and walk away with the kid? I mean, they're they're still know. complicit. They're still yeah. complicit, and that that bothered me. Well, and and maybe some of them do, but the implication is they will always pick another child. Yeah, well, the I mean, assuming that, that the society are... doesn't just completely crumble the moment that happens. Yeah, and 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 there is, you know, the implication that there is other society out there, and um, you know, you go tell them and say, hey, they're doing this awful, torturous thing in this town. Maybe we go end it. And <laughs> they'd be and like, really? And this worked out well for them. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Go find a kid. Go find one. Torture it. Oh, you know, to me. <laughs> but but yeah, it it's. It's it, a hard it sent me, thing. Yeah, and it sent me through an emotional response. I had an emotional response to reading this. It's because I then was thinking, okay, what would I do? You know, in a good world, what would I do? And and there is a moment where I'm like, well, obviously I would go get the kid. And then I stopped and I went, wait a minute, Amberly. There are plenty of kids who are currently right now suffering and I don't know about it. And I'm not racing around trying to retrieve each of those children. And I mean, not I... just children. Our whole society kind of depends on the exploitation of the poor and um, exactly. the disenfranchised, and we're living it. So <laughs> I feel like anyone who reads the book and is like, I am definitely going to walk away or I am definitely going to stop this. It's like, are you though? Because, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but you also got to look at there are stages in, in this process. And they, I think it said when eight or 10 is the first time they're talked to about it, depending on their maturity. So they're inoculated to it as well yeah. as, you know, they get into then their teenage angsty years, but, but then it's like, oh, but what can I do? I can't defy, you know, the adults and make this stop. And, and then they, I mean, this is how it's always been. And you know? go. Exactly. And it, yeah. It's how yeah. it currently is. I mean, it makes me think of like all of the bills and stuff that are currently going on in particular states. And there, there is that process of, you know, they want to, you know, in Florida, remove the books. If we don't, no. if we don't tell them about the unique literature that they could be reading when they're young, if we don't give them access, then they don't start thinking about it. Then, then when we start making our bills that put otherness further away, they've already been numb to it. They don't know that there are alternative options. They're just going to accept it. I mean, we already have, it's, I mean, it's fascism. We, we already have that happening in states where it's kind of that slow boil. What, when does the water start boiling and you actually notice it? 
Well, if you're a frog, never. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of what this is as well, is the sense of, as you were saying, indoctrination. If we slowly expose them to it, when do they, they start crying out against it? Or do they just walk away because it's easier? Yeah. Which is, is the big thing is here is is it's they're just walking away because it's the easier solution for them. Yeah. Because they can't change an entire society on their own. Yep. But um, that, so, and that's yeah. what makes this more of a of of a a tighter view on it. This is just a town and you kind of think, well, I could change a town. Um but can you change the world? Thank you. Well, and then there's the disguise of we're being told it's a utopia. Is it really a utopia? What do we believe to actually be a utopia? And is it actually achievable? Without yeah. someone being the child in the room. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? What do you think about all of this? Um, I mean, I've already given some of my thoughts. Okay, so would you witness the child and stay? Would you try to save the child, or would you just walk away? I mean, like I said, I live in a world where this is already kind of happening, maybe not <laughs> quite to this degree. And I'm here and I'm just living my life. So it seems like I wouldn't, I don't want to say that I would see the child and be fine with it, but I don't know. The uh, data would suggest otherwise. I, I mean, I would probably not be happy about it. To be um, fair, actually, the, the reality is, is if you had the choice to walk away from our current society, you would happily get up and move to somewhere else. <laughs> And I mean, let's that, be real here. Walkaway would be your ideal solution in our civilization. Maybe not this civilization. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It would be frightening I, you know to walk into the unknown, but at the same time, it would if be If you're tempting. not happy with the current state. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I I have um, catnip toys, and Daenerys has been feeling better, and I thought she was doing something she wasn't supposed to, but she's actually tossing the catnip toy around so she can play with it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yes, um, but that's why I was like leaning over is because I couldn't figure out what she was doing because I couldn't see her very well, and then I saw the toy fling into the air. Um, I'll be honest, I fully recognize that I would probably, in this given situation, be one of the people who walked away. I recognize that I probably, I would have hit that point where I would have wanted to rescue the child, but knowing that they would just pick somebody else and the harm is already being done to that child, the only thing that I could think is I don't want to continue to add to that harm. And the only solution I can offer is to walk away. Not a great answer to that situation, but that's that's probably what I would do, is know that I was not contributing to the harm if there really wasn't a way to stop the harm or stop the harm befalling somebody else if I take the child. What about you, Kim? 
I would probably yeah, I'm just gonna walk burn away it all down. I, I I would walk away, but I would cause a stink elsewhere. I, I would I would try to burn it down. Um Yeah. And I would go out making a noise. I'm I'm not a quiet human being. You are not. Um trying to think. I just like, yeah, it, it the more I think about the book, it, it really makes you have to or the short story, it really makes you have to think about what you would actually do. And there's what I want to do, what I believe I would do, and then the reality of it. Which is, you know, because they they purposefully do that. They do it when the teenagers are they don't they don't wait until they're adults. Yeah. You know, when when you would have the the logic to say no, this can't happen. The, our happiness isn't isn't. They do what it before you, you have your own child. They and and they do it before you have autonomy. Before you recognize your own autonomy and the, yeah. and that your autonomy can affect others. Um, and it's just it's just the stage in in development. And um, yeah, they're not they're not ready to fight back. Um, yep. And then they get comfortable because they didn't fight back when they were at a stage when they might have and then it's like well wait a minute am i do i want to give up what i've got because if i do this i'm gonna have to give up what i've got yeah whether it be children like you said or or their own bliss that they're experiencing and people don't like the idea of being told they have to give something out that they are comfortable in yep um and more than anything, I think a lot of the times that is actually used as a fear-mongering tactic. That. Meaning saying, oh, you know, if you try and, and correct this thing, you're going to lose this. Yeah. If you try to be open-minded, then your children are at risk. If you, you know, just let the poor trans person exist. And I don't mean poor as in, like, actually poor, but like these people who are suffering, um, you know, if you just let them exist and enjoy their lives, ah, you know, you're not going to feel safe in a bathroom. Like that, that rhetoric is pushed out there to. If you socialize medicine, you'll never get to see a doctor, you know, waiting rooms for three years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is absolute bullshit, by the way, absolute bullshit. I've used socialized (laughs) medicine. It is absolute bullshit. You don't wait for healthcare, but anyway, Yes. Yeah, but, and that's the, you knew it set me off. <laughs> I, I but didn't, that's but... The, <laughs> that's the thing, though, is, is you know, you, you get if you get comfortable and someone is telling you all the things you could lose that you want, you then stop thinking about what the other person is actually losing. What Who is at risk truly in that situation? Um, which is just devastating. I so. think it was gutsy on her part, too. Because it is 1973. Yeah, and it's a child. It's not. It's not an adult in their suffering. It's. It's a child. She didn't. She didn't pull punches when it comes to that. Um, that's 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 pretty gutsy for a writer, um, especially then. Yeah, and it, it explains to me why. Because we we still have her books all over the books, uh, all of the books all over our shelves at the library. We have multiple copies. I see them actually get checked out. A decent amount of times she has a couple of series that uh in the young adult section gets checked out regularly um and it's impressive yeah, it's it, famous it, 
very yeah she she i think is gonna be an author that from what i've read so far is going to stand the test of time so i would argue she's already stood the test of time (laughs) hasn't she already i feel like she's already known as like a it's or it's only been 50 years it it could change i doubt it i doubt it at least not for sci-fi fans and that yeah kind of part of it is, and fantasy because um, she does fantasy as well yeah 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 is she earthsea yeah yeah that's the one that gets checked out regularly is the earthsea series yeah it's it's yeah it's the one it's the mm-hmm. one that if you're curious about fantasy science fiction it, that's where you should start it's a good place i've not yeah. read it i'm not i'm not advocating because i've read it but that's the one that comes up always best book list blah 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 you know all of that yeah yeah right so did you guys have any other thoughts that you wanted to share on this one Mm-mm. okay no. so then it's our rating system and oh man i really need to revamp our rating system how exciting how exciting thank you so sarah how exciting did you find this book i think a 3.5 okay okay Kim? I'd give it a four. It it yes, it read a lot like the lottery, and like I said, the lottery came sooner, but I would give it a four. It was a good story. Okay. I, I would give it Hold a on. four oh. too. I would I would give it a four as well. It it was a it's not like super exciting, but it's definitely engaging. I think engaging is a better word for me than exciting um in terms of reading it yeah i guess if we take it as engaging i would give it like more of a four okay but i just didn't find it exciting like nothing was really happening um but i did want to know what what was going to happen you know i kind of need to revamp our rating system it it needs an upgrade (laughs) no i barely remember this one Uh, except i could actually like write an excel so i would remember it as opposed to trying to remember it off the top of my head um Mm -hmm. so then next is ease of reading Kim, what's your rating for ease of reading? A five. It was easy. It was fast. It was um it was good. Okay. Sarah? Five. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Mine was a five too. I might have had a little bit more difficulty if I wasn't reading the audiobook at the same time. Um but listening to the audiobook compare combined with reading it, it was easy, super, super easy. And then emotional reaction, Sarah. Um, I don't know, like a four. Okay. Kim? Probably a four, four and a half. Okay. I I give it a five. It had me feeling things and thinking, and I think that's exactly what it was aiming for. So, (laughs) all right. So then, Kim, your overall rating. Um... Four and a half. Okay. Sarah? Yeah, I'd probably say four and a half as well. Okay. I would actually give it a 4.75. I've been using StoryGraph more, and man, I'm starting to fall in love with those decimals. (laughs) Good. Decimals are beautiful. I love StoryGraph for giving you decimals for ratings. I was like, yes, I want this. Um, yeah, see, I tried but, to use StoryGraph, and like, I just it was running too slowly when I tried to use it before. Never got into it. 
it's slowly improving. It's still very, very new. Um, and people are still trying to push it. Honestly, what I love is the, the statistics. Being able to see how often I read certain genres, how often I read really big books, how often I think they're fast-paced versus slow-paced. Um, and then I've been doing a... They do reading challenges on there. So you can follow someone's reading challenge. And then there are books that are put into each category. And so you can look and see if you can like find those books and fulfill the reading challenge. Um, and it's passive because as soon as you read the book, if you've marked it as what you're doing for your reading challenge, as soon as you do read the book, it marks it as completed in the reading challenge. I've been doing that for Decolonize Your Bookshelf. So it's nice. Decolonize Your Bookshelf? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so just like uh, Maori, uh, more indigenous, more black. Yeah, authors. yeah. I, I thought yeah. you just meant like declutter at first, and I was like, no. Actually, say colonize yeah. or like okay. Yeah, gotcha. decolonize. Yeah. Um. In fact, I'm thinking about we when we do our continent reading challenge, I might set up a reading prompt so people could follow the prompt on Storygraph if they wanted to. So I just haven't decided if I'm committing to that yet. Alrighty. So any other final thoughts? Or are we good? Uh, I just want to mention the library copy that I got for this book, the Penguin Book of the American Great Short Story, oh, the, whatever. Great American yeah. Short Story. Modern American. Whatever. Yes, <laughs> modern American. It smelled so good. Like, and the page texture. Yeah, I have the same copy. I don't know if yours also smells delightful. And like, if the page texture is the same, kind of like a slicker page to it. It is a slicker page. Yeah. There's like, you don't feel the print on the page. Yes. And very, very enjoyable. It, like, like, it's, it's like, there's no grit to the page. Um, My copy, well, my copy's new. Mm. So this mine is, is new... definitely a little beat up so probably not yeah new. so mine probably doesn't smell the same because yours probably has more of the vanilla almond smell that happens as a book ages i wouldn't i don't know it doesn't smell like old books though um oh, like okay. this book that i got from the library that's like 10 years old definitely has older book smell um the other one is almost like a i don't want to say plasticky although that is what it reminds me of um, See, this one has like that um um like not fresh cut wood but like wood <laughs> shaving smell <laughs> like all shaving I can, smell. all i can sit here is think all you are smelling is the people who have manhandled this and, and no because this and, one's new so not very many people have yeah, manhandled it. i don't i don't care i don't care you're getting the stink of people's houses when they're cooking their onions while they're while they're reading when they're yeah you i i just i don't understand it, smell of it, doesn't smell like it doesn't smell like people it doesn't smell like cigarettes yeah it's yeah. it's that's what you're smelling whether you realize it or not so it's the the, the smell of life Mm. I mean, I've just never smelled a book that smelled like someone's house. Well, that's not quite true. Sometimes the books <laughs> that you've lent me, I was like, oh, this is like Amberly's house. <laughs> I don't not. know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's a neutral thing. It's not like it smells bad or anything. It's just like, oh, yes, I can recognize this scent. Yeah, that, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> that's creepy. Do not yeah, lend her a book again. <laughs> you know how many books I have from Amberly still? <laughs> That pile right there besides the book case. Have you read them all? 
Uh, no, those are ones I have not read. The yeah, smaller ones, the two, like that little one right there, that's yep. the Crown Shy and Gideon the Ninth. Um, so those are <laughs> ones I have to return. And then the two stacks, those ones are unread that I need to work on someday. Oh, oh, I have more books for you, Sarah, eventually. And now- I don't have room. I'm at capacity. What now my books are starting to be wrapped like a library book. I wrap my books oh. like a library book. Oh, that's good because oh. then they have that crinkly, crackly sound to them. Yes, and really and then nice. the dust jacket doesn't get nicked and ripped and destroyed or like yeah. dinged or anything. Mine never gets destroyed. Mm. Yours is on a reader which has no scent, no slow. texture. It's, it's too dead. slow. <laughs> yes. I say I can't stand digital books, and yet I read so much fan fiction on my phone. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It does not. It does not. But in any case, this copy of this right. book, delightful. I almost wish I could read, or I almost want to read the other short stories, but I'm not going to because I don't like short stories. This is just easier to take with me and throw onto my computer, by the way. <laughs> okay, so... Now that we have completely derailed from our short story conversation to discuss reading and book smells, um, on that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, I Need to Heck Up, or whichever platform you listen to your <laughs> You're podcast. You're trouble there. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd sorry. love to hear from you. Why are you sorry? Oh, you didn't hear the music? Nope. Nope. So you just interrupted for no reason. Yep, and we're just still recording, so I'm going to end this now. <laughs>